Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Friday, June 7th, 2019. be listening to another Stephen Kozar interview. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, Help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, and apostolates and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelicals, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says, and uh, we're trying to to perform a service for you here by warning you, equipping you, and then driving you into God's Word so that you're not deceived or schnookered or caught up in the latest fad. Talking about fads. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Enneagram. Yeah, apparently it's being used by people within churches as if somehow it's a valid personality test. Yeah, the Enneagram is a mess when you consider its origin and the nonsense and the quack psychology and spirituality that is behind it. Yeah, it's it's as it's as real as uh, Todd White's leg lengthening miracles. You know, just saying. Anyway, so what we're going to be doing today, we're going to be listening to Stephen Kozar as he interviews Marsha Montenegro regarding uh, the the true origins and quack spirituality and science behind the Enneagram. Yeah, this is not something that any church should be engaging in, 
And if your place of employment is uh, forcing you to engage in the Enneagram, uh, you know, you might want to send them this resource. This is this is not real science. It's nonsense is basically what it turns out to be. Nonsense at best. At worst, it's new age uh, spirituality and concepts uh, veiled in some kind of mainstream lingo, and it doesn't belong in your Christian church. So uh, let's get to it. Here is Stephen Kozar and uh, Marsha Montenegro as they discuss the true origin and spirituality and quack science behind the Enneagram. Here we go. Okay, I'm on the phone once again with my friend Marsha Montenegro. Hey, Marsha. Hey, hi there, Steve. It's so good to talk to you again. It's been a while, and I'm going to get you all riled up about your favorite topic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, uh, we've been messaging back and forth about this. Is it pronounced Enneagram? Enneagram or Enneagram? I have heard a couple of ways, at least. I, I was saying, and I tend to say Enneagram, but I've heard more people say Enneagram. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if there's a third way to say it, but I have been hearing Enneagram, and I've been trying to say it that way, although I think I fall back into the Enneagram, and oh. it's probably it's probably like aunt and aunt and base and vast. You know, it's probably you say potato or you say tomato, I say tomato. I think it may have, you know, I haven't really checked on it. Now that I think of it, somebody who interviewed me on this went online and had that um, that you know that place you can go where they it pronounces the words for you. Yeah, and um, it said I think it said enneagram. Okay, but I think probably enneagram is maybe a second way to say it. But I'm going to try to say enneagram. Enneagram is it <laughs> is the way we'll do it. So something is happening just in the last few years and specifically with you in just the last few months where this topic, which frankly, from my standpoint, shouldn't be that big of a deal. Christians should brush this off, I would think, but it's not happening. And the opposite is happening. Christians are kind of getting on your case for being critical of this wonderful tool that's helped them get in touch with themselves and things like that. Right, right. Right. Give us a little background. I mean, you first wrote an article about this back in 2011. Oh, by the way, I should introduce, you're the former New Ager. I know you're probably tired of saying that all the time because you've been a Christian for a long time now, but that's your background. Your no, background. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, I'm not tired of saying it. That's Good. okay. Your website is Christian <laughs> Answers for the New Age. It's a, it's a wonderful resource. It's just full of articles. I'm constantly referring to it. Uh, the Messed Up Church has links to it. And uh, we're going to be referring to some of the things that you've written there, including a brand new piece, which is so fresh you can still smell the paint. It's it's that's that's how recently you posted <laughs> right. it. Um, right. <laughs> so, so not only are you having to address the issue of this non-Christian thing, but now you're having to address the fact that Christian books are coming out that are using this non-Christian thing. So give us a little background about this whole process and where you're at with it right now. Okay, sure. I'd love to do that. Thank you. Uh, yes, when I wrote my article in 2011 on the Enneagram, this was before uh, really probably most Christians had ever heard of it unless they had come across it in their workplace. There were some companies or corporations who were using it as sort of a personality assessment in the secular world, but it definitely 
was not in, you know, mainstream evangelical churches at all. Hmm. It was in the uh, Catholic Church, mainly at their retreat centers. Uh, as far as I know, the Catholic Church has not officially approved of the Enneagram and, and, and may even have, you know, written something against it. I'm not sure. But the first critics um, of the Enneagram really came from the Catholic Church. They were Catholics. Hmm. Uh, and I first found, I, well, actually, I heard about the Enneagram when I was in the New Age. Um, I, I didn't, it, it, I didn't hear about it a lot, but I knew about it. I wasn't interested in it, uh, cause I was into astrology. I was a professional astrologer. And of course, to me, astrology was the best way to really find out who a person was. So, you know, handwriting analysis or numerology or anything, um, <laughs> something like the Enneagram to me was just all superficial. So I was very focused on astrology. At that time, of you were, course, before I became a Christian. You were hardcore. I was very hardcore. I was hardcore um, in astrology. I was uh, following Zen Buddhist um, beliefs and practices, uh, practiced the mindfulness meditation for 12 years, and I had assorted other various New Age views <laughs> um, that went along with all that. It was a combination of some Eastern spirituality along with just what you might call the, the New Age movement views itself that are not necessarily Eastern, but they're kind of mystical and Gnostic. So I had a, a mixture of a lot of those. Um, my main ones were the Zen Buddhism and astrology. Those were my two main you know, focuses. Hmm. And, or maybe foci, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if guys are word or not. I, don't I just know. said it. Uh, <laughs> but um, so in the 90s, after I became a Christian, I didn't hear, I didn't, I, I think I heard one or two references to the Enneagram in a secular setting, had no interest whatsoever in learning more about it because I, I didn't really, you know, totally understand how it was supposed to operate or anything. I knew. I was a little surprised when I heard it was in the secular world because I knew it came from um, Gurdjieff, and I knew it went back to these esoteric Gnostic teachers who taught it mainly around the early 20th century and and later. <clears throat> and so I knew that and was surprised to hear some secular, you know, organizations were using it. Um, that was before I really, you know, went into ministry. Uh, and then sometime in the 90s, um, really, maybe like, um, I can't remember the year. It might have been, it was at least, it might have been the late 90s. I think it was at least 1998, might have even been 2000, but I don't think later than that. Okay. I had a request from, um, via another, via my church, um, from some missionaries uh, that my church supported in Austria. Uh, and they were coming across this Enneagram, uh, because there are a lot of Roman Catholics in Austria. I think that's probably why. And they were asking for information on it. And, um, I, I was referred to them, somebody, and they, you know, somebody told them, look, you need to ask Marsha about this. And so they contacted my church because they were over in Austria. Uh, and I can't remember at the time. I, I guess I had the internet, but I don't even remember if email existed or if I had email. I can't remember when all that started. I think it was prior to that because I did everything. That I did not do anything on the internet with this. So I somehow found or I had 
this booklet written on the Enneagram by a Roman Catholic woman. It was very detailed. I mean, it was a booklet. You know, it wasn't just an article. And I had read it, and I can't remember why I had it or why I read it, but I had, and I immediately thought of that. Um, My church made a copy of it and, I think, faxed it to them. I think that's what happened. Yeah. So fax it to these missionaries. Uh, And I used some of the information in that for my first article, which I wrote in 2011. I think by then, by 2011, I was hearing more about it. And I, I thought, okay, uh, this is beginning to get, you know, get more popular. And I also knew that certain Christians had been teaching it and endorsing it. Now, I had not investigated these people very thoroughly at the time because I, I really had no reason to. And I had other things I was, you know, researching and writing on. I'm always researching and writing on stuff. And I was those other things, but I saw that this was beginning to gain ground, and the fact that some Christians were saying it was Christian concerned me, one of these being Suzanne Stabile, and I even refer to her in my uh, 2011 article, and also to another Christian, Alice Freiling, um, and my first article was is called the Enneagram GPS Gnostic self. I used uh, some of the information from that booklet in, in here and some other sources, um, and I wrote a, a rather detailed article on what the Enneagram was, how it came out of this kind of early New Age Gnostic movement from these esoteric teachers, and and from them went into... Um, kind of got into psychology, the area of psychology, via this man named Claudio Naranjo from Chile, who uh, had studied with this very esoteric occult teacher named Oscar Ichazo, who had a, a school, like an esoteric Gnostic occult school called Arica, because it was located on the coast in Arica, Chile. Hmm. And... Um, so Naranjo had ended up at the school, and actually there's some videos on YouTube where he talks about this and talks about some of his experiences. Both Ichazo and Naranjo are alive. Um, I think Ichazo's in his late 80s, and he has retired from his work with that school and <clears throat> lives in Hawaii. And Naranjo, who is also a lot older, but I don't think he's quite as old as Ichazo, um, is still alive. I don't know what he's doing now, <clears throat> but there's several videos of him on YouTube that people can hunt down if they want to listen to him firsthand. And so he was learning about the Enneagram from Ichazo. Now, Ichazo was not teaching it as a personality assessment or even teaching that there were nine types hmm. because originally when it came from Gurdjieff, it was mainly the three main areas of a person, like the heart, head, and and gut, which I think Gurdjieff may have, uh, sometimes those three areas have different terms. Sometimes they'll say instinct instead of gut um, or feeling. So you'll find different terms used, but they're like the three main areas. And the Enneagram is often divided into those areas. But there's so many variations that, you know, you're not going to find one single way that people are using it or the terms don't always stay the same. 
so it was these three areas, and then Gorgiev's pupil named um, P.D. Uspensky took those ideas that he learned from Gurdjieff and wrote about them. And he was still not using uh, nine types, um, but he wrote about them in a book called The Fourth Way, which combined his teachings with some of Gurdjieff's idea about the Enneagram, which was supposed to be this uh, diagram of cosmic reality. That's what that's what it that's what it actually originally was. It hmm. was a diagram of uh, it was supposed to be a picture of the universe. You could look at it and see the universe. It would apply to anything in the universe. And these were all some of the ideas from Gurdjieff um, that Uspensky propagated and publicized in his book, which actually was only published after his death by his wife. So, wow. um, yeah, yeah, as far as, from what I read, he never saw the publication. I don't, I, I don't remember if there was a reason for that, but it was published. Um, Uspensky had a lot of followers. There's still people who follow Gorgiev and Uspensky today. Um, they, they're followers of these people. Uh, there's websites for the fourth way. Um, I found on, surprisingly on YouTube, I found, um, Gurdjieff, one of the things Gurdjieff taught about, and he he was born in 1878, so most of his teachings were in the 20th century. Uh, he was a bit older because, I mean, in 1900, he was only, um, what, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. So all of these teachings were the 20th century. They were not that long ago. You know, we're just talking 100 years ago, which actually is not very long ago. Um, and uh, he, one of the things he talked about was movement. And moving certain ways, and of course, these were esoteric teachings that had to do with kind of cosmic harmony and all this kind of stuff. And if you go on YouTube, I posted one on my Facebook page, uh, by the way, just so people know, if you want to see my posts on Facebook on the New Age, please uh, search for Christian Answers for the New Age on Facebook. And you can like and follow that page, and then you can keep up with my posts. That's better than trying to go to my personal page, which, of course, you can go and follow that if you want. But I put all the full New Age posts on my my Christian Answers to the New Age page, which is my ministry page on Facebook. I just want to put that in there. Sure. So a lot of people don't know that. They don't know that. So um, he had these dancing dances. He devised these dances with very certain movements. And there's a lot of them on YouTube. Uh, that are done by present-day followers of Gurdjieff and and they show these very kind of rigidly done movements. It's, it's kind of strange, and most of the music is sort of eerie. Hmm. Um, I watched several of them. I found them very depressing, uh, and um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, though, because in several of these uh, videos of the dances, there's a big Enneagram diagram behind them. It's either behind them or it's on the floor they're dancing on because this represents this cosmic reality. Um, and it's just the Enneagram is really just these lines. It's a geometric figure. And when you look at it, for example, in these videos, there's no numbers. There's no one, two, three, four, five, six, because Gurdjieff didn't do that. Um, so anyway, that's the way it was with and Uspensky mainly, and then it went to this Oscar Ichazo, who supposedly knew the teachings of Gurdjieff and maybe had even studied under him, although that's never been verified. 
uh, and whether Ichazo was really teaching Gurdjieff's ideas, who knows, but he claimed to be. And Claudio Naranjo, the psychiatrist, claimed that he said Ichazo did know say, certain hey, things Ichazo said. Say that again. He thought that Ichazo did know Gurdjieff's beliefs okay. and was teaching them. Because Naranjo himself was interested in Gurdjieff, and that's why he went to Ichazo, because he himself wanted to learn more about Gurdjieff's ideas. Naranjo is what you would call maybe an early New Ager. You know, he was a psychiatrist, but he was a New Age psychiatrist. Huh. You know, it may not be the New Age we see today, because the New Age always has changes in it. But that, you know, that's probably the easiest way to classify him. Sure. Um, and so... Naranjo also got involved with this place in California called Esalen, E-S-A-L-E-N. And a lot of people today under a certain age will never have heard of this place. (laughs) Um, If you were around earlier in earlier decades, you would have heard of it. Esalen was a very controversial uh, place where they had these very edgy, uh, edgy experimental psychological things going on, like Gestalt therapy, which maybe a lot of people have heard of. And there, the therapies where you screen, you yep. know, you do the what's called the primal screen. Okay, a lot of this was going on at Esalen, and it also was a hotbed of New Age teachings mixed in with some psychology, etc. There was just a, it was just a big you know, boiling pan of all kinds of stuff like that. Now, Naranjo went, was at Esalen and eventually rose to prominence in that, in that place. And another person who was at Esalen was a Jesuit named Bob Oaks. Uh, that's spelled O-C-H-S, or it may be pronounced Ox. I'm not really sure. So Bob Oaks or Bob Ox was there. He learned about the Enneagram from Naranjo. And he took it to the Roman Catholic Church. Hmm. And when it got to certain people in the Roman Catholic Church, they started teaching it. And one of the students learning about the Enneagram, who was in the, you know, Roman Catholic priest who was learning it, was Richard Rohr. Okay. And he's going to play a really big part in, in, in this whole Enneagram story. So yeah. it's important to, to know the background where he learned this. Um, and so he, he learned it there. Now, God, so that's how it got into certain segments. I, I don't want to say the whole Catholic Church, but at least certain segments of it where they were teaching it mainly at these retreats. Uh, and by the way, the name of the brochure that I mentioned earlier that I got my initial information from is called A Closer Look at the Enneagram and the author is Dorothy Garrity, just for people to know this, G-A-R-R-I-T-Y, Ranagan, R-A-N-A-G-H-A-N. And I do have her name. I have all this in my first article on the Enneagram. Okay. And it was published by Greenlawn Press in 1989 in South Bend, Indiana. I think she was probably one of the earlier earlier critics. Another one was Mitch Pacwa, P-A-C-W-A, a Roman Catholic priest who used to teach the Enneagram, and in fact, it seems he was the one who taught Richard Rohr, but later Richard Rohr claimed somebody else taught him because, probably, Mitch Pacwa turned into a critic of the Enneagram. 
Um, so he used to teach it, and then he wrote a very critical article on it and eventually <clears throat> wrote an article called Tell Me Who I Am, O Enneagram, for the Christian Research Journal, which I read when it was published. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. He taught it and then turned against it yeah. <laughs> and sort of exposed it. Good for he him. exposed it for what it was, yeah. Um, so this is kind of the, the early formation of it and, 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 and its track through these esoteric New Age, early New Age type groups. Uh, and then it kind of, it was out there in the Catholic Church, and I guess, you know, Richard War was, was teaching it, and he's very popular. He's popular with non-Catholics as well. And, you know, one of the people that he influenced is Suzanne Stabile. Hmm. He actually became sort of a mentor to her. And the reason I'm mentioning her is because uh, she is the co-author with Ian Cron, C-R-O-N, of one of the popular books used in the Evangelical Church called um, The Road Back to You. And this is a book on the Enneagram and what it means and how to use it, et cetera, et cetera. And Suzanne Stabile here had been mentored by, of all people, Richard Rohr. Now, not only is it problematic in that sense because he was you know, teaching this esoteric thing. But Richard Rohr has very heretical theology, and that actually could be a whole other program. And I have done programs discussing Richard Rohr, so I would point people to my article on his latest book on my website called The Universal Christ, and that would be on on my articles page where I list all my articles. Uh, Just look under book evaluations, and that way people find it quickly. So it's listed there under book evaluations, and you can see, um, you know, he denies, uh, really denies that man is sinful. He denies that there was any kind of atonement needed to pay for sin. Rather, it was an example of suffering. Um, he, So he, you know, there, we're already seeing some major heresies here. Um, and then he has a very heretical view of Jesus Christ, hmm. which is very problematic, where he sees Christ as more than Jesus. Jesus embodied the Christ. Yeah. Um, and creation was the first incarnation of Christ. And Jesus was the second. Wow. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it just, it gets worse from there. Believe me, that's just, <laughs> that's just the beginning. So the fact that you've got somebody with extremely heretical theology mentoring this woman who then co-authors a book on the Enneagram, Ian Crone also is came uh, has an association with Richard Rohr. Now, I don't know that he was mentored by him, but he he has spoken at Richard Rohr's. Richard Rohr has a center in Albuquerque, New Mexico, called the Center for Action and Contemplation. Yeah. He has con- conferences there a lot. You know, he has speakers including Buddhists and people like Marianne Williamson. Yeah. Um, I've posted you know, he has about all that kinds before. of speakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um so Ann Kron has been there teaching, as has Suzanne Stabile, and Suzanne Stabile has actually taught with Richard Rohr. Now that could be true of Ian Kron. I, I'm not sure I haven't confirmed that, but I know he's taught there. And the author of the other big Enneagram book um in the Evangelical Church, which is called The Sacred Enneagram is by Christopher, and I don't know how to say his name, Hurwitz, 
It's H-E-U-E-R-T-Z. I'm not sure how to say it. Sure, it's, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. It's hard to spell, too. Uh, anyway, he wrote the sacred Enneagram. He has a very uh, close association with Richard War, and he thanks. In the beginning of his book, the sacred, or actually on a promotion, I don't know if it's in the book, but on uh, in a promotion for the sacred enneagram, um, it says that he trained under some of the great living, living enneagram masters, including Father Richard Rohr, Russ Hudson, Marianne Gilbert, and Helen Palmer. Now, Richard Rohr, I just discussed. Russ Hudson. Um, co-founded the Enneagram Institute with a man named Don Riso, R-I-S-O, who is a former Jesuit, former Jesuit. The Enneagram Institute is New Age and has always been New Age. Uh, Marianne Gilbert, I had to search her out. I had never heard of her. She is a New Age healer. And Helen Palmer, I already knew, is a big New Ager who's up on Enneagram, I think that came out in the 80s, made the Enneagram very popular in the New Age. So basically, Heretz here is, has trained under Richard Rohr, a heretic, and three New Agers. Okay. Now, since Heretz's book especially promotes the Enneagram as a spiritual tool that will help get you closer to God, I find it very problematic that somebody who learned the Enneagram under New Agers and a heretic is is telling you how to use the enneagram to get closer to God. That's crazy. You know, there's yeah, it's it, it's like something you would make up for a novel. You know, it's like right. if you wanted to write a wild novel about, you know, this this esoteric New Age tool and and how it got in the church, you would have this writer who's seen as Christian write a book and, and, and he learned all of this stuff that he's this thing he's this tool he's using, he learned it all from New Agers and you would think, wow, this will be a great you know, this will make for a great novel. <laughs> but it's all true. I mean truth is stranger than fiction. It really is. Um you know, and sometimes I feel like when I'm telling people this and they don't know it, I almost feel like they're looking at me like, are you making this up? You know, <laughs> is this really true? Because it sounds so wild. It just sounds so wild, but it's all true. Um, so what I did here was, I believe it or not, was a summary <laughs> of the origins of the Enneagram and how it got into uh, the Catholic Church and then got into the evangelical church via via these various people I mentioned. Um, now, of course, what, what are the major problems with this other than what I've already pointed out? Because a lot of people will say, well, that's the genetic fallacy. You know, the genetic fallacy is to say something has no merit because of its origins. And there are cases, yes, where the genetic fallacy applies. But the problem here is that it, it, it started to be used as a personality test, so-called, by Naranjo. And Naranjo, on a video, on YouTube, he says that he, his information for the nine types, he's credited with the person who came up with the nine types of, of the Enneagram, which is what everyone's using, he said some of it came from his observations, but mostly it came from automatic writing. Uh-oh. 
And then he said he confirmed that with his observation. Yeah, but you've got you got a big uh-oh in there with the automatic writing. It doesn't surprise me he does that because, you know, I've listened to some of his other videos, and it's just, you know, it's kind of like what what I used to be in, you know, somebody getting information via automatic writing. It would be kind of like, oh, that's really cool, right. you know. I mean, nobody has any, nobody has any kind of, um, you know, issues with that <laughs> in that worldview. So he's kind of, he admits that he's kind of proud. He also admits in the same video that he, in the Chazo, made up the statement or the idea that the Enneagram is ancient. Wow. He said, oh, yeah, well, we told people that. You know, that's what wow. you tell people. But he said, no, it's not. And then the guy he's talking to says, yeah, but it's not true. And and, and Narana says, no, it's not true. That's amazing. Because, you know, one of the. Because they know. They it, know it's from Gurdjieff. It's. You know, yet it's being promoted as ancient tool. This is what you do to a segment of the population that has abandoned any study of history whatsoever. They don't yes. they don't believe yes. in, in hardly any objective truth anywhere, but especially any objective truth in the distant past. But if you claim that something is ancient, from the ancient masters of the past, whatever it it sounds like yeah. ooh, that's kind of some new thing that I didn't know about. It got unburied. You know, and now we've discovered exactly. this new secret. Exactly. And in fact, that's how, uh, since you said the secret, that's how the secret was promoted. Uh, the big teaching, um, you know, the book and DVD that came out years ago promoted by Oprah. Yeah. Um, and they, the video shows, uh, gives you the idea that, that the, this was a secret that was buried by the church <laughs> and hidden for centuries and centuries. And then it, all of a sudden it was discovered in the 1800s. You know, and actually, you know, what the secret is, is new thought. Right. Um, and it wasn't buried for centuries. No. I mean, there are probably some <laughs> ideas in it, you know, that come, that go back. But new thought itself is a modern movement that started really, you know, maybe had the seed of it with Sweden, Swedenborg in the 18th century. But it really started getting its teachers and getting more coherent as a worldview in the 1800s and early 20th century. So anyway, yeah, there's that idea. And see, in the New Age, this is very appealing, and I can understand it from a New Age viewpoint. Well, it's ancient, because in the New Age, you have this idea that there are these ancient secrets and teachings, you know, going back, some people even think, oh, to Atlantis, to Lemuria, you know, these kind of um, quasi-mythical places, and where they had all this wisdom that was lost for there's stories about why that happened. I, I mean, I heard them all. Hmm. And so um, I have to say, I did never totally believed in, I didn't know whether to believe in Atlantis and Lemuria, though. I had questions in my mind about it. But it's very popular, and a lot of New Agers really get into it. And so, you know, this idea, there are these ancient teachings, you know, and that makes them very, very appealing in the New Age. Now, the problem is that's happening in the church. It's crazy. And people in the church think, well, this is ancient. This is an ancient healing form of healing. This is ancient. And sometimes they claim things are ancient when they aren't. But even if they are really ancient, that doesn't mean that they're valid. It doesn't right. mean that they're for today. And often when they say ancient, it's referring to something that's pagan. Yeah. So, you know, not always. I mean, there's things, you know, in, in the biblical times, I mean, that was considered ancient. Um, but. You know, it's, but when you're dealing with the Bible, that's a different story. But an ancient practice, for example, someone saying, well, it's an ancient practice doesn't mean it has any validity. 
or even if it has validity, it doesn't mean that it's something good for a Christian because it might be a pagan. I would like to make method. a. I would like to make a, a brief commercial announcement, dear Christians listening. We have a holy book already that has come directly from God. It's called the Holy Bible. That would be a better place to find your information about life. That would be the place. Exactly. That should be the only place where we get our information about life and who God is and who we are. Why why the heck are we you know so quick to grab onto the latest thing? It really uh, I know that and that seems to be a trend. That seems to be a trend. The Enneagram I think is partly a product or the popularity of it because it has been spreading. I've been watching it spread like wildfire wildflower wildfire. I'd say just in the past several months, hmm. it has picked up quite a lot of speed because I get a lot of, you know, messages from people asking me, like, why, why, you know, all of a sudden they're having a workshop at my church on the Enneagram. What is this? It seems weird to me. Or they already know it's a problem. And, you know, I'm getting a lot of, of messages and emails like that. So I know it's spreading. And, it seemed, and also I've watched on YouTube, there's some big church in California that's considered at least I was told it was considered a very sound, a very sound conservative church. And the pastor's doing like a nine part series on the Enneagram. He's doing a number, different number each, each lecture. Ugh. So he's going to do nine talk. I don't know if they're sermons or just lectures. I got the impression they're sermons, but I haven't confirmed that. And I've heard other people. And then somebody, I think when I, I, I posted on that, someone said, Oh yeah, you know, there's a, you know, uh, my pastor did a sermon on the Enneagram. And then I've heard podcasts where it, well, Andy Stanley promoted it at the oh. Catalyst Conference and uh, promoted it big time to pastors. And then I had somebody, um, this was several months ago, um, on my ministry page tell me her pastor wrote a book on the Enneagram. And I said, well, did he write? write a book exposing it for what it is or is he promoting it and she said well i can send you a copy and then by talking to her i could tell she's saying he was promoting it and i said look i don't need to read a promotion of it because i already know what it is right you know in other words i don't i don't need to read the lies because i know what the lies are <laughs> and so she kind of she got very angry at me and um, i'm sorry but sometimes that happens i just I don't, first of all, I have to be very picky about my time and I'm always reading. I'm in like in the middle of four books now and I just ordered another one. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I can't just sit around and read things I don't need to read. But, uh, so this thing has caught on because I think there, there seems to be this, this, uh, I don't know, this latching onto trends yeah. to, to bandwagons to the latest thing. It's kind of like, oh, the Enneagram, what's that? It's sparkly and new, <laughs> and here I can learn about myself. And then they try to sell it as something that will help you in your walk with God, and you'll learn more about yourself. Well, you aren't going to learn anything you don't already know. Yeah, that's the um, thing because, that, uh, from what I understand, the biggest reason that people are uh, – willing to accept whatever origins it has, even though in most cases they're not even aware of the origins. But their 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 whole thing is, well, gosh, I learned about what kind of personality type I am. And that helped me have a better relationship with my wife and kids or it helped me in my job, blah, right. blah, blah. This whole personality test thing, there's always a new version of it every so often. It's been going on forever. Yeah. And it really yeah. does get to this fundamental issue that people want to talk about themselves. Now, I'm not opposed to people 
understanding themselves better so that they can have better right. relationships. But all these right. charts and these things, they're always, you know, uh, there's a new thing that you, you got. I just, I read an article um, just in the last week about the, um, what is it, the Briggs-Myers? Am I saying that right? Uh, Meyer, Meyer, Meyer Briggs. Meyer yeah, Briggs. well, it's been around for a while, yeah. And in psychology today, they were saying you could take that test and then take it again a month later and get completely different results, that this thing is way overblown. It's not nearly right. as helpful as people think right. it is. And Christians are just jumping on these bandwagons. I I kind of get it. You know, I've been there uh, years ago. My wife and I did some of these personality test things. It seemed to be kind of helpful, but I just think we've gone way over the top with it. And this Enneagram is crazy because it's just so obviously pagan and new age. Well, yeah, and here's here's the problem. Yeah, because a lot of people are asking me, well, what do you think of this test, the Clifton Strength Test or something? What do you think of the Myers-Briggs? Here's the difference. You know, and I'm not supporting those t- other tests or, you know, or I'm not, and I'm not even saying, a, I don't even think a personality test is in most cases even helpful um, in the long run. So I don't really support them, generally speaking. But the difference is the Enneagram didn't come out of psychology. It didn't come from psychological studies and assessments. It didn't come from, you know, a bunch of psychologists who got together and because and, they're apparently in psychology there's certain factors that you use there's a I think there's five main personality types or something and then you can divide it up I actually saw a video it's a short video somebody gave me a link to with Jordan Peterson and he talks about personality profiles he's not talking about the Enneagram he's just talking about psychological testing and he talks about how it's done what the factors, he says, well, people have noticed these behaviors be, due to these studies, and so they divided it up this way, and then they have certain questions, and depending on the answer, then it puts you in this category, and he basically explains how it's done, um, and so people who are into those studies and, and, and also who think they're valid in some way then formulate tests based on that. But that's not how the Enneagram came about. It didn't come about in any kind of study. It just came about the way I explained, which is like partly automatic writing. Oh, and I forgot to mention Ichazo um, had a, a spirit guide, uh, was what I call a spirit guide. He called it an archangel named Metatron. And there was also supposedly another spirit. He was in contact with the green Kutub or something, Q, something like Q-U-T-U-B. I have to look it up again. I couldn't find enough. There's so many. If you go online and look for it, you're going to find a hundred different things about it. And I didn't feel like it was really worth my time because I thought a spirit is a spirit. You know, I don't really need to know Wait. all the variations on it. Is this a spirit? Um, is this a spirit or a children's uh, superhero cartoon TV show? Because it I sounds. Know. I know, I, I know, I know somebody said, they thought I said Megatron, and I said, I was doing another program on the, on the Enneagram, and I said, Metatron, and she said, wait a minute, wait a minute, Megatron? Yeah. What, what is that? Oh, no, no, it's Meta, Metatron, M-E-T-A-T-R-O-N. And actually, he is, he figures as a spiritual being in the Kabbalah. Okay. And I'm thinking that's where Ichazo got it from, because yeah. apparently there was, there was some Kabbalah. He had some interest in the Kabbalah, and I'm assuming he probably read about it, and yeah. that's where he got it from. Nothing new under now, the sun. 
All right, we're going to pause right there, pay some bills. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. The balance of this interview with Stephen Kosar of the Messed Up Church and Marsha Montenegro as they discuss the true New Age origins of the Enneagram. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. No sneaky squid spirit formed against us will prosper. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, pansy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. <laughs> Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. Thank you for calling Zonda Vindictivortica. How can I help you today, sir or ma'am? Ah, so you're having trouble with your copy of the Grimoire of Modern Prayer. That is very unfortunate. Can I please ask for your name first? Ah, your name is Pete Billingham. Well, Mr. Billingham, this is Bob from Connecticut. I would be most pleased to assist you in any way that I can. You are very welcome, sir. Now, what is it about the Grimoire of Modern Prayer that troubles you so? I see. It seems you have opened a black hole in your living room and wish to have it removed. I am dreadfully sorry, but I am not qualified to help in such matters. I will have to transfer you over to my supervisor. Please do not bring my mother into this. I am transferring you now. Hello, and thank you for calling Zonda Detective. How can I help you today, sir? of I do not know what you mean, sir. My assistant and I are not the same person. I am Jim, Jimmy Jim Jim, Jimmy Jim Jim, from Rancho Cucamonga. I am sorry, sir, but I cannot understand you over the screaming. Did you just say bird in num-nums? Or that your cat was just sucked into the black hole? So very sorry about the little kitty cat. Now, there is something you can try. You can take a piece of pie and throw it into the black hole. I swear to you, it makes complete sense. You see, the black hole is feeding right now, and you need to trick it into thinking that it is full. Be sure not to give it pumpkin. That will only make it more angry.
Okay, that didn't work. You have one more chance before we use the emergency destruct procedures. Make yourself a non-fat decaf mocha with no whipped cream, seven pumps of chocolate, and skim milk. I know, why bother? Now, I want you to throw it into the black hole as well. Well, I guess it didn't work either. Maybe we should have used 2%. Please stay calm, sir. You now only have one of two options. Close the book and burn it, or close the book and throw it into the black hole. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. <laughs> and what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, uh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. <laughs> to err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society and... It's, it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee. And it'll arrive at your door in a convenient, resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Uh, now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to Gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out!
Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that the Enneagram is based upon New Age spirituality and quack science. Because it is. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you will see our three friendly yellow buttons. That's right, the very famous friendly yellow buttons. Well, first one says uh, join our crew. The other says become a patron. The other says uh, uh, make a uh, donation. Donate. I can't even remember what it's. <laughs> so, let me see. Donate, become a patron, join our crew. There it is. Yeah, that's what they are. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. And rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner, $49.95. And then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button. If you'd like to become a patron on Patreon. Uh, you click on the Become a Patron button. If you'd like to support us the traditional analog way, you can do so by making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then sending it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, here is the balance of today's interview. Stephen Kozar of the Messed Up Church interviewing Marsha Montenegro regarding the Enneagram and its New Age origins and its quack science that's behind it. Here we go. Yeah. Now, did he really have contact with the Spirit? Well, I think he probably did because of what he taught, and he was into very esoteric occult practices going into altered states. In fact, both he and Naranjo um, did hallucinogens, you know, psych- what we call psychedelic plants, hmm. that, you know, like, L- or like LSD and mescaline. And I don't know if they did LSD, but they did that kind of thing. They did psychedelic plants um, to get into these altered states. Both of them did it and advocate it they, because they see it as spiritual, which right. is the way it, it's seen in the New Age. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that Ichazo had contact with a spirit, and it doesn't surprise me that Naranjo did automatic writing. I, I totally believe it. It, it. it makes sense in context of their their beliefs and practices. So here you've got information coming from a spirit, which, of course, is a fallen angel, because there aren't any angels from God that would have anything to do with this. Right. Um, and, and so we know it's a fallen angel which is what spirit guides are, and automatic writing, that came from a fallen angel, too. So that's what we have. That's what the Enneagram is partly made up of. And then, um, you know, then what the Christians' books are trying to do is to make it, they're trying to Christianize it and say it's going to help you to walk on God. It's going to give you, you know, these spiritual insights into your character. And I'm thinking, you know, wait a minute. I think the Bible already does that. Yeah. Hello. You know, it doesn't. Okay, it doesn't tell us about our personality, but it tells us what we need to know 
uh, first of all, to, you know, to know who Jesus is and why we need Christ. And then once you have trusted Christ as a Christian, and these books are targeting Christians, so once you know Christ, you're growing in Christ through God's Word, which is our spiritual food, through uh, conforming, being conformed by the Holy Spirit to the image of Christ, and, you know, through what you learn about God, learning to love God more, serving God, etc., you know, all the normal practices that a Christian should be doing as a Christian, and that is what develops you. Right. Um, and as you said earlier, knowing some things about your personality are helpful. I agree because, you know, I'm always seeing, and the, and the things you really need to know are the bad things. Yes, <laughs> it's true. Because that's what, that's what causes the problems. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I still see that, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, I'm, boy, I was really impatient with that person. And I, and why was I so impatient? Oh, I know why. They reminded me of this other person or it reminded me of that situation and I overreacted, et cetera. You know, I mean, that's just being aware. And I think the Holy Spirit shows you those things. The Holy Spirit um, you know, especially as you read God's word, you know, God brings it home to you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you know, this is, see this, this thing I'm talking about here. This is something you do, Marcia, you yeah. know, yes, good <laughs> so, point. That, you know, so we can learn about our faults that way. And if we learn about them other ways, maybe somebody tells us something and we're like, oh, you know, um, gee, I guess that person had a right to point that out to me. I shouldn't have done that. Okay, then we go to the Lord and we ask forgiveness and we right. say, help me, you know, help me deal with this. I need, I need to not act anymore. We don't need to take a test. I mean, I think, I think adults are fully aware of and can be fully aware of their problems. And of course, I'm talking about. Uh, people with normal issues. I'm not talking about people who may have really, you know, mental problems or extreme, um, you know, non-abnormal behavior who right. may need professional counseling. Right. I'm not Chemical talking imbalance. about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, behavior problems that need count, you know. So I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, my, you know, most people who are in the normal spectrum of behavior and et cetera. So, you know, for those people... We we really I think most people become aware of their of their problems and their issues, and you work it out through going to the Lord, through being convicted uh, by His Word, because His Word judges us. We mm-hmm. don't judge His Word; the Bible judges us. And I haven't you sometimes, Steve, been reading a passage and you're you see yourself in it or you realize it's speaking to you, you know, that God's using it to show you something. I mean, that's happened to me. Right. Yeah. You know, not that it was written exactly for me. It's written for, you know, everybody. But, you know, I'm reading it and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, you know, this is this this is how I am sometimes. You yeah. Know? And I, or, I think that um, the normal Christian life that Christians have lived since the beginning of Christianity has been kind of set aside as not really that exciting, not good enough. And a lot of these churches are selling people on the idea that you have to have this super close, intimate, mystical relationship with God where you're just, you know, you, you talk and then he talks and you hear, you're going back and forth. And I think there's a lot of people going, uh, I don't have that. I just read my Bible and I, you know, I, I'm not hearing the audible voice of God. I, I must be doing something wrong. So they're being told 
to uh, expect certain things that the Bible never tells us to actually expect. So then when something like the Enneagram comes along, I think there's a tendency to say, oh, maybe this will help me get all those things that everyone says I'm supposed to have, when in fact the Bible never told you about any of those things. The the Bible is never yeah. uh, supposed to be like this mystical guide that, that leads us to this super mystical sort of a relationship. And, and I think there's a point yeah. in people's lives where you're burnt out by trying to achieve this thing that the guy on stage is telling you about, or maybe the book you read is telling you about. And I think it's really freeing to understand that we can just live a normal Christian life and we can be taught by God through his word that the Holy Spirit teaches us through his word. And that's enough. Right. It's more than enough. We should be very thankful for what it's we've got a, it's in that. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. Yeah, God's word is sufficient exactly. for, you know, rebuke, for growth in Christ, uh, for learning, etc. It is sufficient. And you're, and you're right. What's interesting about what you said is something um, I should point out is that the people who wrote these books, um, are all involved in what I call contemplative spirituality mm-hmm. very deeply. Suzanne Stabile, who used to be, I think, Methodist, is Roman Catholic and married to a former Roman Catholic priest and calls herself a spiritual director. Um, Anne Crone teaches mindfulness. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and Christopher Hurrett, is very involved in contemplative. He and his wife are both involved in it. His wife teaches yoga, in fact, and she has taught at Richard Wars Center herself. And by the way, Andy Stanley has had her, Selena Hurts is her name, at his church. Huh. Um, yeah, and I think maybe he got Ian Cron there too. I need to double check. He's had some of these authors there. Um, and yeah, because he promotes the Enneagram. And so uh, Christopher Hurts is very much in, involved in this in this mystical spirituality as well. So I see the Enneagram as associated with that. As as since these writers all promote that perspective, I would imagine that that comes through in yeah. how they they interpret the Enneagram and how what they're saying to you about it. Well, let's um, go. Let's go. Uh, yeah, go, go to ahead. Sarah Young. This is. It kind of sounds like the latest version of Jesus Calling in Sarah Young's foundation for her automatic writing book, inspired by the pagan book God Calling, was the Bible yeah. wasn't enough. She says that in her own words. The Bible was not enough. Yeah. I needed to get direct right. messages from God, which is the the giant elephant in the room that it seems like a million Christians are, aren't even talking about or admitting it's a problem. It's just an assumption now that, of course, the Bible's not enough. They may not use those words, but in a million other ways, they're saying the Bible is not enough. Yes, and that's true. That's very true. And I, and I think because the Enneagram is so... Uh, it's so self-absorbing. Mm-hmm. You know, you really get into yourself. And I, one thing I've noticed in all the podcasts and YouTube things I've seen of Christians promoting this is they always have to give their number. During the uh, talk or the broad, you know, podcast or whatever they're, they're doing, um, at some point they have to give their number. Oh, yes, you know, well, I'm a six. And then the other person, you know, kind of laughs because they both know about the Enneagram. 
what that means. And they say, oh, yes, well, and, and I can see you as a six, and, you know, I'm a two. You know, and then they kind of, and then they may even make jokes and like, oh, yeah, but, you know, my wife's a four. You know what that means. In fact, this is very disturbing to me, but Russell Moore did a video promoting the Enneagram. I watched that. Yeah, and he said he's a four, and he talks about that and what that means, and you know, he makes a joke about it at the beginning, and, and I thought, oh, man, why are you going down this road? Don't you see the problems with this? And I'm thinking he must not know much about, like, what I just, all the information I gave on your program earlier. I don't earlier. know. My take was he I was... I don't know whether he does or not. He was coming at it like a politician where he's trying to speak out of both sides of his mouth. That video really came across to me as I'm going to try to offend the smallest number of people possible. I'm not going to outright promote it, but I'm not going to say anything really negative either. So he kind of tried to ride the fence, and I thought he was a little bit embarrassing. I was was like, nope, sorry, you're not my leader. You're right. You're right. He did. He did. He did try to. He did kind of try to come off that way. You're right. He tried to not sound like he was promoting it, but at the same time, he was not against it. Yeah. And he was kind of talking about it as though, oh well, yeah. By the way, you know, I did, I'm a number four, and you know, this is what the enneagram says. Kind of almost like he was being neutral, but in a, but of course, it could be taken as as a subtle endorsement. Right. And um and I think you know so now. You know, now you have these spokespeople and people that a lot that audiences talking about it. Um, of course, it's been in for what we call progressive Christianity really is big on it. And it's been, you know, they've been into it a little longer. But then it got, and I saw it, and I knew that. I saw it in the progressive Christian quarters um, of the church. But I really, honestly, I guess I'm still a little bit naive, did not think it would get into the evangelical church, because to me it was so obviously pagan. I thought, well, you know, all you have to do is do a little research and you can find out. But people but people were telling, and I hate to say this, and I'm sorry to say it, but it's just a fact, uh, some of these people are telling lies about it, hmm. and that includes these these Christian authors. And that's why I have this latest article is the Christian Enneagram Authors, What You Should Know and Why. And this is my latest article um, on my my um, website, Christian Answers for the New Age, not Facebook, um, but on my website. And, you know, they say it's a deep, they say it's an ancient tool. They say it's an ancient Christian tool. Um, and then they say it's also this another, another thing where you try to talk out of both of your mouth. Well, we don't really know the origins, you know, but it's ancient, you know. And, and that's just, I think that's what Suzanne Sabeel says. Well, we don't really know the origins, but it's ancient. And um, they try to say it goes back. And, I, and my, by the way, my other article, I've mentioned two of my other article is the, Christ, the Enneagram has no Christian origin. Right. That was my second article, which I just wrote in this past March. And um, the two main people that are unfortunately targeted as, <laughs> as the origins of this are Evadius Ponticus, who is a fourth century monk with, let me point out, some very problematic theological views, and another one named Ramon Lull, L-L-U-L-L, who I think was in Spain. Um, what, what Ramon Lowell did, he, and he, he did all these different charts and diagrams. They're very intricate. He 
but he was not doing the Enneagram. In many cases, he was illustrating the uh, seven deadly sins um, and uh, illustrating them. And another thing he was trying to do was to illustrate the Trinity in order to reach Muslims. Because Spain, as many people know, or people who know history, may know <laughs> of the Moors. If you've ever heard of the Moors in Spain, you know, there was a large uh, southern Spain was taken over, um, you know, many centuries ago uh, by the Moors who were Muslim. Right. And plays into Spain's history. Uh, Ramon Lal was trying to show them the Trinity through diagram. So neither of these people, Avakers Ponicus, I think, did uh, charts on the seven deadly sins as well. But he was not doing the Enneagram. This is not this is not what he was doing. Yet these two people are sometimes pointed to as well. You know, it came from the ideas of Avakers Ponicus or Ramon Lal, or you know, that's where the Enneagram really came. from. Or, you know, those ideas were, were from these people, and this is this is just not true. Yeah, so just find a Christian who made a chart a long time ago and ignore every other detail yeah. and just say, oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, here it is. Here's the early integration. I wanted to, I could, this is priceless. I have to give you this quote from my friend, Ron Huggins, um, who's actually Dr. Ron Huggins and was a professor at Midwestern Baptist Seminary, which is a seminary where I, I spoke several times for conferences and twice for um, uh, talks that were just done for the students that are open to the public there um, on the occult and new age. And, you know, he so he's not, I think he's retired, but he did teach there. He said on my Facebook page when I was talking about Esalen, and I had it here a moment ago, and I, um, oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, he wrote on my Facebook page, and I asked him if I could quote it. He said Esalen was a place where, he said, he said, first of all, people don't understand what it is. And, they, and he talked to a Christian who really, he said, she seemed to think that it was really this valid psychological institute or something, you know, like where people were really like, uh, being rational and, you know, I see the quote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You see the quote. And what he said was, it's really, it was a place where people were likely to get naked, take LSD and beat on native drums. <laughs> I had to use it because I'm like, it, it really paints the picture for people who don't know what Esalen was. I right. mean, it really was, a, it really was kind of a wild place. I'm not saying it was like, you know, they weren't having orgies or anything, although I don't know, maybe they did. But it was, you know, this this was not a scholarly institute at, by any means, which I think some people may think. And even now, I've Googled them now. They're very new agey. I mean, they're, they're doing all these different esoteric yoga practices and meditations, et cetera. And I don't think they're what they were doing in the 60s and 70s, but they are new age. Right. So... Um, you know, this just, just to abuse anybody of the wrong idea that this was some kind of scholarly institute, uh, where the Enneagram was taking shape. No, it was, it was not. This is one of my pet peeves. Dr. Huggins just described. Yes. (laughs) The the thing that you do to make something popular is just to describe it in the most flowery terms possible, make sure that you get some books published 
and get them into bookstores and just put out ads, get people talking about it, get it spread out for a while. And it doesn't take long before everybody just assumes this must be valid because I've heard of it. And they, you know, they, they couldn't have published a book about it if it weren't true. It's well, exactly. Exactly. That's that you put your finger right on it. It's, it's like, well, here we have two different publishers, you know, Zondervan and InterVarsity, uh, putting out these books saying that they're Christian, targeting, targets, targeting Christians very specifically. And so people who don't really know anything or know very little about this, or like you said, they're going to assume, well, surely people have looked at this and, they, and it has some kind of validity. Right. I mean, you're right. People will just assume that. Uh, pastors may assume that. You know, they may somebody may give them the book and they may say, oh, well, look, there's a whole book on it. Look at all these details in here. This must be, you know, this must be valid. It's come out of studies. It's been tested. It's right. been looked at. Somebody, somebody somewhere and approved this of this. What, yeah, somewhere somebody approved of this. And this is what has happened with these Enneagram books. And that's why I, I wrote this last article here to show that these statements about it are just not true. That it's that there there are these misstatements, uh, mistruths that are being promoted and put out there, and people are some people are believing it. I can't blame them for that. Um, because why should they think they aren't true? So, you know, I'm trying to get the word out there. So I want people, I'm not going to tell anyone what to do. I don't, I don't advise doing the Enneagram, but I want people to at least have the information and make an informed decision, you know, make an informed decision. Um, and that, I don't feel people are able to make the informed decision because there's so many falsehoods and so much confusion around this. And I would like and to say, I think that bothers me more than anything. Yeah. I, I hate, I hate it when there's confusion and false information. I can't stand it. it I mean, it keeps me awake at night, honestly. And I was up till twelve thirty last night with my webmaster correcting um, some things on this article. <laughs> so you know, I, I couldn't sleep until that was done. I just could not go to bed until that was done. I would just like to publicly say, shame on you, Zondervan, a once great Christian book company. You're a joke. You're yeah. pathetic. And I would like to say, shame on you, even more so to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Used to be a just top tier Christian organization that could be trusted. And to be publishing a book like this, I, you have fallen very far. I, I'm. Yes, I'm, I think this is one of the worst things being taught in the church today. I honestly do. And I think it's going to lead to nothing good um, unless it fades away very fast as a very fast-moving trend. Well, it's it like Jesus around, Calling is, has not faded very fast at all. It keeps growing. No, that's true. No, if anything, it seems to be growing. It's yeah. like an empire. I call it an empire. It is. The Jesus and, Calling TV dinners are coming next, I think. And the, oh my goodness! The yeah. Jesus well, calling gym shoes. There's everything with that. And by the way, just so people know, I do have an article on my website on that book, and there's another one I wrote later, which addresses the changes in the later edition that is on the the blog site of my seminary. And the way to find that is just to put in um, Jesus calling false Jesus 
and maybe put my name if you yeah. want, and it should it should show up. It'll show up right away because that is not on my website. And we did a podcast. Um, Just type in Jesus calling Marsha Montenegro yes, messed did. up church. So the we information is there. Wait, yes, yes. Let's let's point people to that. There there is a program on that, and there is a, there's another point I want to make about this that I think is is very a very relevant point, and I did a a couple of posts on this. I I, I did one called. Um, the Enneagram, why not Zodiac signs? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> as a former astrologer, as an ex-astrologer, I pointed out a couple of things. One is, you know, over and over again, I, I, I heard people, and I still hear Christians today, say to me, well, why do I fit my Zodiac sign? You know, I am Aries, and boy, it really fits me to a T. If, if there's nothing to it, why is that true? Okay, I get this question a lot. And when I did astrology, people would say, wow, you know, that that was just, you know, when I was looking at their whole chart, they would say, wow, you know, you really captured all the issues I deal with and, and et cetera, et cetera. So my point, my first point is you can take anything that that describes behavior, which is what the zodiac signs do, and people will identify with it in some way and think it's about them. Right. And I and I and what I said in one <clears throat> one post on Facebook was cuz somebody told me well the enneagram helped them it you know they it helped them understand themselves or their relationships or something like that. I said but you know when we have a consistent 33% of the population in the United States believing astrology is true and valid. Um and I had all these clients who told me you know, the charts were accurate, just based on that fact alone, someone could say, well, then it must be valid. Therefore, I do not accept, because I know it's not, therefore, I can't accept anecdotes about it. So no matter how many people that Enneagram helps me, it's the same category as the people who said astrology helped them or they fit their zodiac sign. It's the exact same category. And that is not enough to make it valid. That is just not enough. And the other point about comparing it to astrology signs is that you start seeing yourself through that filter. Right. You know, so if you know you are um, a Sagittarius and this is how a Sagittarius is and you've got a book on it and you read the details about it you, and you, you will start filtering things you do and say and your reactions to things through that. And you'll say, yes, boy, that really fits that quality of Sagittarius or that trait of Sagittarius. Same thing if you get your chart done, which is even more detailed. Um, And I know because, of course, I knew my chart. I was an astrologer. I knew my chart very, very well. You know, I knew it inside out. So I could say, oh, yes, I know that is, you know, that's my Venus in Libra. Um, And that's, that's, oh, that's what's happening. That's, that sure explains, you know, my, my, um, moon and the ninth house or whatever, you know, that's why I do that. That's why I react that way. You start filtering reality through it. And it makes, uh, in the example of astrology, it makes the chart seem very, very true and valid hmm. because you're filtering everything through that. And that's what happens with the Enneagram. So you think you, you know, you think you're a, a five or a four or whatever, you start filtering everything through that. And it seems to be more and more accurate. And that's what happens. Because we do that. That's something humans do. And they want to identify with things. They want to latch on to things 
Um, it's, I think it's just a human trait. Yep. And that's why these tests seem to be accurate. That's why the Enneagram seems to be accurate. You're just reading things into it. You already know, and you're filtering things through it. That, so that's what I wanted to make those two points that correspond directly to astrology. That's an excellent point. And I was even thinking about how in the crazy hyper-charismatic movement where people are always giving each other these vague prophetic words that you can turn that vague prophetic word that really isn't saying very much into something that seems very true to you because again you're filtering yeah. it you're 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 right. wanting it to be true so much so that you reshape your life to correspond with whatever that vague <laughs> prophetic word was you know exactly and that's the, that's the same with uh, an astrologer or a psychic who gives some kind of um, forecast, you know, like um, you will have very unsettled relationships at work in the next three months. Well, you know, you start looking for that and anything that goes wrong in a relationship with someone at work, you're going to interpret it as being that prediction. Yeah. And so, you know, the way we filter things is very subjective. And that's why we need the objective word of God Amen. <laughs> and not these subjective tools. Absolutely. So, you know, the more I talk about the Enneagram, the more I dislike it and the stronger I feel about it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's often how something happens. I start off warning about it and I'm like, I'm still learning about all the, the things about it in the past. And I'm like, yeah, I can, this is problematic concerning this is a bad thing about it and then the more and more i learned about this the worse it got hmm. and i thought man this thing is just horrible <laughs> so now i've gone from yeah problematic to horrible but i have grounds for that i have valid grounds for it i yeah. think all the facts back me up i'm very careful i always want to present the facts i i try not to be sensational although the information about this is sensational in and of itself. I right. can't I can't help that, you right. know, like the automatic writing and the spirit guide and that, you know. Um, but, you know, let's look at all the facts and take those into account. And that's what I am saying yeah, to and I, people. I think about how, uh, I think it's a human tendency when you come across what in, at the moment appears to be really bad news. You know, like, wow, I thought this thing was great. I read the book. I took the test. It seemed mm -hmm. to be helping. And then somebody comes and pours cold water on the whole idea. You just want mm. to reject that bad news because you you just prefer that yes. it was true. So we as Christians yes. should be lovers of truth. Exactly. We should want the fact. And mm -hmm. the situation you just pointed out, I think it's very common in the person. Yep. Just, and also, they don't want to think that they were deceived, mm -hmm. you know, it's or that they were wrong. Like, yeah, it's, it is. It's very humiliating. It's like, what? I did this test. I thought that, you know, it was a Christian thing. I thought all these people thought, you know, I thought it was valid. And now I'm hearing all these things uh, negative about it, and it's not really valid, and this is, this is how it was developed. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like, but wait a minute, you know, then, then I have to admit, you know, well, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. I was deceived. And people, you know, this is a problem uh, police have with catching con artists. People who are deceived by them and lose a lot of money don't like to report it to the police because they they don't want to report They were deceived by this con artist and gave, you know, this con artist $25,000 who played this con trick on them. Interesting. I just heard a program um, on the radio the other day on, on how people are preying on the elderly 
and they gave an example of a woman. And I mean, she was actually driving from Walmart to Walmart all over the place for this man who had called her up. She never met him. And he gave her some story. I can't remember exactly what it is now. He was going to fix something for her on her computer or something. And he wanted gift cards. And, and apparently this is a common tactic. She was driving out to Walmart because they said this is one way they, they get it. And they get these gift cards uh, in their name and they use the money. And she ended up, she ended up losing $85,000 in this. Wow. And she, she sounded like, you know, she didn't. Sound like she was, you know, not until I don't think, you know, I don't, I'm not saying she was a brilliant genius, but she didn't sound unintelligent. But she said, and she said, she even said, I just don't know why I believed him. Hmm. And, you know, this is how, and then people don't want to go. They, you know, police have said, you know, people don't want to come to us and say, you know, I was conned. You know, it's, it is, it's humiliating. So people don't like, and this is a problem with people in cults, too. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be told they've been deceived. So that's true for all of us. You know, it's, it's, very, it's, it, it's a very humbling experience. So I would say to people, if you have done this and now you're hearing all this information and you are bothered by it, you're thinking, oh, wow, I would have never done it if I had known this. Or this is really bothering me. And, and don't, don't be upset with yourself that you believed it because... You know, if it was presented to you as valid, that's not your fault. You you really believed it. Maybe maybe even your pastor said it was good, you know. So, um, you know, don't blame yourself. We all can, you know, it's easy to believe something if it sounds valid. And so now you can see it's not or you can see the problems with it, you know, and just, just move on, right. you know, just. Just move on from there and, 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 you know, say to yourself, well, I've learned something. You know, I've learned something. I stumbled here. I've learned something, but I'm going to pick myself up and move on. And that's what we do. We learn from our mistakes. That's the mature response. But don't beat yourself. I don't want anyone beating themselves up over it. You know, that's not the purpose of me giving us information. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. And I would just add to it, and we can close with this, that God wants you free from these things because what he has is actually better. His word is better. He wants you to live in freedom. And if you get um, sidetracked by one of these uh, kind of mystical breadcrumb trails, and a lot of people who are listening to this, they know – what I'm talking about. You you got led down this path and it seemed really cool at first. It seemed exciting and fresh and new, but eventually mm-hmm. it was a burden. And God wants you free mm-hmm. from those things. And his word never does those sorts of things to you. So you can trust him. You can trust his word. So exactly. yeah, great. great place to end. Thank you so much, Marsha. This has been really interesting. I didn't know uh, all that much about this. Most of the time when we do one of these, I'm, I'm already, you know, way, um, on the same page with you. So I learned a lot myself and I really appreciate all the work that you've done and we will be talking again soon. So thank okay. you again. Thank you so much. Yep. Steve. Thank you. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of fighting for the faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fighting for the faith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook facebook.com forward slash pirate christian follow me on twitter my name there at pirate christian till next week may god richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by jesus christ his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins amen